The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Reverend Galen McDowell, and I am the executive minister, senior assistant minister, and the director of the Johnny Coleman Institute at Christ Universal Temple. Today, I'm taking a quick break from this Dynamic Laws of Healing series that I'm doing because I want to introduce you to someone who I really think can help you deal with how to heal from family situations, your past and pain that is often associated with our childhood and upbringing. So I'm bringing on an expert, Olivia Benson, who is the author of the book, For the Love of My Father. How are you doing, Olivia? I am well, thank God. Thank you very much for having me. I really, really appreciate the opportunity to be able to to speak to your audience and, and share my life experiences. Okay, well, before we get into working with forgiveness, because we're going to be talking a lot about forgiveness today and, mm-hmm. your, sto- and your journey of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's give, you know, could you give people a little bit of your background? Of course. So first of all, I, I have been a practicing attorney for almost 35 years. I've practiced in, in, in Florida. Um, I was a former legal counsel for the Universal Foundation for Better Living and also legal counsel for Universal Truth Center here in South Florida. Um, I've been involved with the foundation at Universal Truth Center for almost 30 years. I was, Mary Tompkin was, I have to say I've had many teachers through this journey, but my primary teacher for many years was Mary Tumpkin. And I credit her to a significant extent with um, helping me to really learn the principles that were necessary to transform my life. So I have been practicing law, working through my life issues, but practicing law at the same time, uh, time studying, because you know I wanna say that right up front because people look at each other and they think, Oh, this just miraculously happened. No, it takes years and years and you have to study and you have to practice. So over the course of the years, I realized that I wanted to write and I wanted to speak. And so, as you know, because I did your show, uh, your Unity show many years ago, I wrote my first book, which was Answers from Within. And subsequently, I got ready because this book was really a work of my heart to really talk about what had happened with my dad and how it had really gutted me as a child. That's the best word I can use. And to be able to be ready to have done the healing work, to be able to write it is a whole thing. And so after many, many years, I was there and there was born for the love of my father. And by the way, for your audience, the subtitle to the book is a spiritual guide for women healing from the absence of a father in the age of spiritual evolution. And we can talk if we have a chance a little bit more about what that means. Oh, no, absolutely. We're going to definitely talk about what that means. So, <laughs> you know, so, you know, obviously I met you through the Universal Foundation for Better Living, it, being a minister and a teacher for so many years in the foundation, you know, yes. believe it or not, um, in, a, in a few years, I'll be. <laughs> I will, I'm coming up on my 30th year. Wow. I started so young that it was yes. just one of those things to where, yeah. Anyway, so I met you many years I was gonna say. I was going to say, I thought you were a baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know how 30 years creeped up. 
yeah, it was like literally. Uh, well, when I when I actually got licensed in the UFBO to become a teacher, it was 1997. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so and okay. I think I met you initially mm-hmm. when I joined around the time. around mm-hmm. that time. You know, POTs mm-hmm. or something. Yes, it was around exactly. that time when you were legal counsel. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anyway, we're not here to talk about old legal counsel business. We're talking about the <laughs> healing business. Yes. So, <laughs> so as as we work with this material yes. um, and your book, For the Love of My Father, the first question I have is, when and how did you first realize the impact of your father's absence had on your life? Well, let me say this. You know, most of us, we grow up and we're really just as children. We're just trying to survive, you know? I, in the book, say that really both of my parents were crazy in terms of their life experience and the dynamic that they had. I call it a war of the roses, right? But as a child, and and I know that a lot of people can relate to this, you're in this dynamic between two parents and all you're trying to do is to make it, right? Through these two people. So when I was growing up, I didn't think, oh my God, you know, my dad isn't here and um you know this is going to have an impact on me i was just going and going you know going through school getting my education because i knew my mother did do a good job of making sure that i knew that my education was the thing now when i start to realize that this thing is off track is i had been married and i had a child and then i got divorced from my first husband i say first because i'm married again now After 30 years, I got married again, but um, I I get divorced and and I think, and the story's in the book, and I think, oh my God, I need to talk to my dad. Now, my dad has not been in any way, shape or form involved with me. Um, I've seen him, um, I had interactions with him, but, and he came to my wedding. And so, but this, this moment when I'm getting divorced, I decided I want to talk to my dad. So I don't even know where he is, but I know, you know, that I can reach him. So I get somebody to reach him and I get on the phone and I say like, daddy, which there's no context for that, but that's all I know, right? There's mm-hmm. daddy, that's what you'd say. And I say, I'm getting divorced, whatever. And then I start crying on the phone, like long distance. I'm just bawling. And this poor man, right? You have to say poor man because he also has no context, right? He hasn't been in contact with me. He doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't, he's never been a person who has spoken to me. He didn't talk to me about sex. He didn't talk to me about men. He didn't talk to me about anything. And now I call him and I say, ah, and he is speechless as is his daughter of, let's say 30 years is just weeping. And I thought to myself, the one thing he did, the stories in the book, he sent me $500 that one time. And I thought to myself, that's the only thing he could do, right? He didn't have words. He didn't have anything to offer. And so he sent me $500, which he had not done ever before in his whole life. But I guess that was the way he was expressing what he could. And so in that process of getting divorced, I realized there were so many holes in my, what I call in the book programming, right? Now I I think to myself, oh my God, how would I even have ever picked a husband? What was I, what could I have been thinking? I didn't have any base whatsoever. And so many things had happened. And the, the stories in the book are there where my dad said he was coming and he never came. And he, he told me some really awful things. And so now I realize my life and my programming are completely off. And this is happening by the time, let's say I'm 30 or 35 years old. And I say in the book that I realized that my life was sort of like a roll of, of yarn, but it had knots in it. So now what you have to do is unroll it, right? And take mm-hmm. out the knots. It's like a bowl of spaghetti. It's all mixed up. The programming is wrong. Information is missing. Um, you're just pulling things that don't make any sense as a woman. And this is not, even though I talk about women here, it's the exact same thing for men, right? Absolutely. Because you don't have the right information. But the day comes where 
And this is where um, new thought was super important for me, even though I was initially very disappointed because you know what was the great disappointment? They said that I had created this mess, <laughs> right? When you yeah. first come into new thought, you know, you're responsible, right? You're responsible yeah. for what your life is. And I'm thinking, what do you mean? I didn't do anything. I just was born and these idiots did this. How am I responsible? <laughs> you know, that's what I'm thinking, right? Yeah. But then you get the bigger picture and you realize, hey, everybody comes to the planet, right? You come to the planet. You have to some extent decided how your experience is going to be in this lifetime, right? What is this lifetime going to be about? What am I going to learn? What am I going to study? What are going to be my challenges? And then you come, you have this experience and your job is to figure out how to heal it. And in that healing, you're going to come into yourself and understand yourself as a divine being. That's what we're working on. It is not that, you know, when they say you created this life experience, in a sense, you did, but it's created so that you have the opportunity to get to know God as yourself. All right. And All work right. From there. You know, and, you know, it's, it, you <clears throat> know as you're uh, sharing the story, it made me think about something that the founder of uh, the Universal Foundation for Better Living, uh, the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman used to always say it, Christ Universal Temple. I don't know if you heard her say this statement, but she would say, you don't forgive people for them, you forgive for yourself because no one is worth you being sick, broken, unhappy. Amen. You Amen. Know? And I have heard her say it. Yeah. And Amen. that's the I thing. is <laughs> that, that one statement, I remember the very first time I heard it and it was like, oh my God. Because, yes. you know, like anybody else, I was carrying baggage, you know, like the Erica Badu song. You yes. Know, bag lady, you're going to miss your bus. Yes. You can't hurry yes. up. You got too much it, stuff. It, you got too much stuff. It, yeah. is, it is incredible. And, you know, the, the forgiveness issue, if you, one of the main themes, like you said, of the book is, is forgiveness. And there's one of the statements, and I have one of the cups that, um, with one of the statements, forgiveness, a pill to take like your life depends on it. And I mean, literally, your life depends on it, because I think in, in most New Thought um, religions or New Thought philosophies, forgiveness is a pillar mm-hmm. of healing. It's a pillar of, of everything. And one of the things that I learned is that, you know, you, you, I'm a churchy girl. I grew up in all kinds of different churches, if you know the, the story, but I won't get into it. But I've been in a lot of church. And um, the thing is that we think of it as sort of like a little concept over there, right? Forgiveness, you got to do that. But I'm talking about life saving because the experiences that you have, you can think of them as negative energies, right? You have a whole bunch of negative energies that are being accumulated in your body, right? The experiences are being held in your body. And until you understand that you have to release it, you have to do whatever. And I think it's important that we talk about how you can do that. But you, there are different therapies and different treatments that you can learn, use to be able to forgive, to be able to release negative energy from your body. And as you release those issues from yourself, you become lighter. Mm -hmm. And what I say is that we are all the essential self. We come into the world as the essential self, pure, clean, beautiful energy, divine energy. That's what we think of when we think about babies, right? And then experiences happen and they pile up and they pile up. And once you realize that now you're blocked, the, the more you're carrying those experiences with you, you are blocked from expressing your essential self, the divine within you. And once you realize it, now your job is to lighten the burden, to get rid of that so that your light can shine. And that's why forgiveness is life saving. And I don't know if you saw this, but on my website, um, not my website, on my Instagram, there was a doctor. And he was doing this whole thing about the fact that they have done medical research to prove that that unforgiveness can make you sick. 
Yeah. Unforgiveness can make you sick. It affects your blood pressure. It affects your kidneys. It affects all kinds of bodily functions. So, you know, it was before sort of like this airy fairy um, spiritual concept, but now it's being linked with mm -hmm. medicine. Yeah. And there are ways you can free yourself from the weight of the whole thing. And of course, one of the things is that everybody is always like, oh, but if I forgive them, which is what Johnny Coleman was talking about, you know, they're gonna get away with it. No, nobody gets away with anything. You're freeing it so you can be okay. Mm -hmm. You are releasing it so you can be free to move on. Yeah, That's yes. the whole thing. Yes, you know, uh, one of the things when I teach forgiveness, actually, I'm in the process of doing, as you heard me earlier, state mm -hmm. the, dy the dynamic laws of healing by Catherine Ponder, who, you know, mm -hmm. she's been around UFBL circle. She was a friend of, yes, and, and a ministerial uh, colleague. And actually, they were in the same cohort as uh, oh, yes, dynamic the dynamic laws of, prayer. laws of prayers. Yes, so I was teaching the dynamic laws of healing as I was teaching the release and forgiveness chapters. I quoted uh, Gerald Jampolsky. Uh, who used to say forgiveness means giving up all hopes for a better past. Mm. It's the reconciliation of that. Yes. You know, because, yes. you know, you know, I'm sure there were times where you thought, man, if, what if this, what if that, if mm -hmm. these things would have been different, if he, she, or them would have acted differently. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness doesn't deal with in, in that game because it's a, it's a game that you can never win. No, you can't. What if game? Right. You know, so, yes. so it's it's definitely a releasing of all of that. Now, you know, tell us about the journey that led you to write this book. I mean, you covered some of it, but is there anything that you feel as though as you shared in the midst of like, okay, yeah. this has to be a book, not yes. just yes. my own soul lesson. Right. This needs to be a book to help other people. Yeah. Well, the thing is um, that I realize so many little girls because one of the things i say in the beginning of the book is listen i wish somebody had told me what i'm writing now okay because you know my mom talked bad about my dad all the time <laughs> i mean like many many and I, i'm not saying it's just women men do it also but you know my mom spoke badly about him because of the things that he did i'm not saying that it wasn't true i'm just saying I was a little girl and she didn't have to say that to me because that's my dad. Okay. That was my dad. So I, I can, there's a part where I say, if you're a mother, you're not supposed to try to hurt your child, right? Because that's what you're doing by talking badly about their father. And this is what I would like to say to those mothers who are watching. And I had somebody reach out to me on either Facebook or Instagram and say, and say, you know, thank you, because I really needed to be reminded that when I do that, I'm hurting my daughter and I need to not do that. But I say to the mothers, all your daughter needs to know is that daddy can't do any better right now. He loves you but he can't do it right now. Not that he's a dirty dog, not that he's low down and no good, not because everybody we know in this spiritual belief system that people behave in a certain way based on basically their experiences and their knowledge. And if you know that your daughter or your son is gonna be damaged by telling them, because that's how children are, that their fathers are no good, then why would you do it? Of course, many women, and this happens a lot with women, are bitter, angry. They're trying to raise the kid by themselves and the guy's nowhere to be found and the whole drama that you well know. But I want that little girl to know, you know what? It's not that there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. It's daddy. Daddy's got some issues. And I have a friend, John, and there's a story in the book. And one day I was talking to John and I said, well, you know, for sure, there's gotta be something wrong with me because if your daddy doesn't love you, then nobody can love you. I mean, it came out of my mouth just like that. Like, wow, you know, wow. and, and I didn't even think what I was saying. And then John, who is hilarious, he goes, no, it don't. It means something wrong with your daddy. That's what it means. And for the first time, first of all, I caught myself saying something that I really didn't think, you know, consciously, but it came out of my mouth and he very quickly caught it and said, no, there's nothing wrong with you. There was something wrong with 
him. And then I was able to, in the process, pull it together and pull myself together because now that means that I've been walking around for a very long time thinking subconsciously there's something, there's a reason why my father behaved the way that he did with me. And that reason has something to do with what is wrong with me. And that is not true. And once I was really healed from the the pain of all those experiences, then I was like, I want everybody that I could possibly reach to know it's not you. First thing, it's not you. It was him. And I like to spend some time talking about the fathers because I'm not bashing daddies. I love my daddy. He was terrible as a daddy, but I just love him. I don't know why I just do, you know, I do because it's my dad. Mm-hmm. And, um, but so I like to make sure that the dads don't feel like I'm saying, you know, you're terrible and dads are terrible. And that's not the story. There's a reason why he probably did the things that he did. It's not justified, but he's got issues that he needed to work on and he didn't. So now I come along and I have, you know, some horrible little stories. I, I'll tell you one so that people have a context. My mom used to send me to say thanks to my dad and ask him for different things. And the, the complete story is in the book, but I went to him, she said to ask him something. And, and I said, whatever it was that she told me to say, I was 17, I was 17. And my dad looked at me and he said, I'm first, I'm second, I'm third, and everybody else comes after. He just looked at me mm-hmm. and said that. And I really, I mean, I'm like, 16, 17 years old, I really didn't even know what context to put that into because I didn't like the way I think about it is like, I didn't do anything to you. What do you mean? I just came here and did what, whatever. And what kind of person says that to their 16 year old, 17 year old daughter? Um, Not even in context. Let's say I had behaved badly, right? Because you would. There's no context in which that makes sense. And that day I felt like literally like I had been shot because it was such a unusual, crazy thing for a man to say to his daughter. I'm first, I'm second, I'm third, and everybody else comes after. So there were a series of very um, hurtful experiences that um, I had to really work through And then once I knew that I was healed, and we could talk more in a little bit about what the process was, but to get myself healed from all those blows and then be able to say, I am well enough that I can can share. And I want all those little girls and all those women to know that you can heal and you can have a good life. You don't have to be damaged forever. And that daddy issues are repairable. They can be repaired. You're not damaged goods. You're not walking around like, you know, like, oh, I'm no good. And who's going to want me? And oh, whatever the story is. That's not true. You can have a good life once you figure out what your issues are and you're willing to do the work. Well, you know, it's, it's, you know what's funny, Olivia, is as you're talking about this, I know a lot of people that work in mental health. Actually, my wife is a mental health professional, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, I have a lot of friends, and there's a lot of people in, in at Christ Universal Temple and in UFBO, okay, you know, mm-hmm. that work in that field. And what's amazing when you talk to them, you know, obviously they can't tell you anybody's individual business, mm-hmm. but a lot of the women, especially and maybe unfortunately, in uh, in the black culture, a lot of the ladies that come with therapy, they have issues with the current man because of the issues, unresolved issues with their father. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's, it seems to be a, a consistent narrative. Like, okay, what are the things, you know, when you ask people in that profession, what are you dealing with? And the people that is dealing with our culture, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it doesn't happen in other cultures because I'm absolutely. absolutely sure it does. Yes. Um, I'm just talking about my knowledge base is mm-hmm. that they they don't know how to model uh, that healthy male female energy. Uh, a lot of these young ladies, they're trying to figure out how to navigate um, 
a sense of not enough from childhood and bringing that into a relationship now and mm-hmm. and and you know talk, talking about new thought and universal law somehow they end up drawing the perfect person that to teach them to teach them <laughs> <laughs> This soul exactly lesson. Right. This soul lesson. Now, obviously, you know, mental health professionals have limitations that we don't have, right? Because you know they can't really talk about soul stuff like that. Right. They can't talk about universal law. They can't talk about you know whatever. But but they still have to deal with the uh, the subconscious patterns. I think you used the term programming earlier. The programming that is now on default. Right. And so so when you're dealing with, I mean, because obviously besides the book and, you know, you go out and you teach other people your forgiveness journey and your healing journey, mm-hmm. as you're working with people, how do you help them impact and change the default programming? Because I think that's really the key. Mm-hmm. That is exactly it. Um, I wanted to mention that there's a, a to deal with the default programming. There's a before we deal with that, there's a chapter in the book that's called Things Buried Alive Never Die. I'm sure you saw it. And that whole chapter is devoted to the issues in the black community, the people of African descent and how the issues of slavery and all the bad patterns that were established by by slavery have sort of come down to this day and are being manifested. And what I say, and the reason it's called Things Buried Alive Never Die, is because it's the subconscious things that are underneath that some people haven't dealt with, right? So those things that are underneath, just kind of traveling generation to generation, because they're unconsciously there and being transferred from one generation to the other. And the only way that you're going to heal it is to bring it up and expose it to the light. The minute that you bring it up and expose it to the light, you're talking healing. Now, in the earlier part of the book, I talk about the fact that if this whole situation is like below decks, right? What's going on? You have, you're a ship. You come into this world and you're sailing along. And in many cases, I say your parents have made negative deposits into the bank, the bank of you, right? So underneath, beneath the deck, you have all this baggage, all kinds of stuff. You don't even know. You just have, they've been depositing craziness, like, you know, experiences, and you're sailing around the world. And now all of a sudden you realize your ship is, is heavy. I talk about the fact that in a in the earlier part of my life I was often exhausted just you know making it right because you're doing it you got to do it because you got to make a living and you got to take care of your kids and you got to do whatever you got to do and you're making it but you're exhausted and part of the reason you're so exhausted is cuz you're carrying a lot of baggage and what has to happen and I, I at least this is how I feel about it you get to a certain point where you say this is too much there has to be a better way. That's the point where you have to get to. Like, you know, people say you have to get to rock bottom. I don't know if it has to be, depending on your life circumstances, sometimes if it's something like drugs and drinking and stuff like that, you have to hit rock bottom. But everybody doesn't have to hit rock bottom. You can be at a place where you say, you know, I have had enough pain and enough suffering to be able to say there has got to be a better way. And now I'm going to take inventory of what is below deck. And you go, and I I describe it as having boxes hidden underneath. And then one of the things that happens often, well, with everybody, I was going to say with women, but you know, you, you have this trauma. Let's say you have absent father trauma, which causes daddy issues and so on and so on. And then you complicate your life more, right? Because you pick the wrong guy and you pick the wrong guy to have kids with. And then now you not only have the daddy trauma underneath, but you have the trauma of that relationship. And then you have the trauma of trying to raise children by yourself because he wasn't ready really to be a dad. So now you have all kinds of stuff to deal with. So it's not just going underneath and picking up 
the boxes from your daddy trauma. Now, when you move one daddy box, you find there's something else back there that you have to clean up. And so what I'm saying to people, you know, you can decide, you can, as you know, we always say, you can do whatever you want. Life, that's how the universe works. You are free. But to me, what I think you need to look at is how much pain and suffering you're willing to take before you are ready to say, I got to do something different. And then the first step is to take stock, take inventory of what your life has been, what the issues are, and then figure out how you're going to begin the forgiveness process and how you're going to begin to what I call jettison all those boxes off your ship. So you can take control because your parents put all kinds of crazy in there and maybe not just your parents, maybe prior generations. You know, when you're dealing with the issues mm -hmm. of slavery, there's sometimes I talk about <laughs> I talk about breeders. Things buried alive never die. You know, it, for people of African descent, the issue of breeding, right, and bad practices with regards to families, like you don't know who your daddy is and I don't know who my daddy is and she's your sister and you didn't know because you know, the slave master had people breeding and the, I mean, the whole crazy, it's a fact. There's no question about it, but you can wake up and you can say, you know what? That might've been the program two or 300 years ago, but in this generation, we can heal it. We can say, I don't want to breed with a breeder because if you're a woman and the guy still's running on the program of being a breeder, right? You can say, I don't want to breed with a breeder. I'm looking for somebody who's ready to be a father. Mm -hmm. And if you're a guy and you say, my God, I have three children with three different women and I don't understand why, where, where this comes from or why I'm behaving this way, that means maybe that breeding program is running subconsciously running you. And now you can decide. Now I got three child support payments <laughs> with three different women. Uh, the kids can't see me. There's no way you had three children in three different homes or four or five. Forget Nick Cannon. He's got 12, but he's got money. So <laughs> <laughs> can't give more time, but though. Okay, how much money? He, he can't give them all these. He cannot give them all the time. Yeah. So it's a matter of, for me, I know I said, when I first came into New Thought, I said, you know what? I'm gonna do the work in this lifetime. I'm willing to do the work in this lifetime. I mean, there's no guarantee, right? But you say, you know, I'm not gonna live like this again. I'm not gonna suffer like this again. And you know, people who know me would never have thought, right? The depth, and I say this in the book, people who know me never knew the depth of my suffering and the depth of my pain. From the time I was, I would say at least six years old until maybe the last 10 years of my life where I sort of came into really understanding what God is and really having a sense of knowing what God is. You, God is not a concept in your mind. God is, you know, right here that you can feel it and that you walk with it and all those kinds of things. But people would never have suspected, number one, that I had suffered that much number two that i was living with that underneath yes, yes and the the sort of sense of of where's the real answer looking for truth so if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast the question is how much suffering are you willing to live with before you take action to heal yes absolutely so we do need to take a break. We, we have to do a, the quick commercial break. When we come back from the commercial break, one of the things I want to do before we get into how to deal with the default programming mm -hmm. is to uh, let people know how they can get in contact with you, how they can follow you on social media, all of the information. Because if, you know, you know, guys and gals, this information is for everybody. The book is written primarily to women, but, mm -hmm. but principles work for everybody. It doesn't make a Correct. difference who it is. And if you're a lady or you know someone who actually uh, has suffered through this situation of carrying a burdensome past, this might be a situation where you gift the book, you gift uh, you know, a video, you gift this podcast to them so they can see that it's possible that you can free yourself and it walk is. into a new life with mm -hmm. new opportunities and new possibilities because you made a decision 
to love yourself enough to let go of the past. So we're going to take our break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. I have the author, Olivia Benson, the author of For the Love of My Father, a spiritual guide for women healing from the absence of a father in the age of spiritual evolution. And Olivia, could you please get let people know website, social media, how can they get in contact with you if, or any other projects you are working on right now? Okay, great. Um, my website is Olivia benson.com olivia s benson you gotta put the s because if you don't it'll be marissa hargitay from law and order (laughs) literally if you put in olivia benson that's who will come up so it has to be olivia s benson.com and uh i have a lot of stuff that i've written there and also i have uh products i have my cups like you know one of the my favorite cups which is forgiveness a pill to take like your life depends on it i have several others one of my other favorites is Um, I'm willing to do the work to be whole because, you know, we can feel and think whatever we want, but until we're ready to really do the work, your life is, is, is not going to change. So you have to be willing to put it in. I, uh, I am on Facebook, author Olivia S. Benson on Instagram, Olivia S. Benson and YouTube, Olivia S. Benson as well. And I have my own podcast, Olivia S. Benson. And um, aside from the For the Love of My Father, I also have my first book, which is Answers from Within, which both of the books, by the way, are available. I'm not holding this right, but you guys But it has to be closer to your face because you have the background. Olivia S. Benson, (laughs) Answers from Within, Answers from Within, which was my first baby. And I'm getting ready to do the second edition of that one. And I I have a couple events coming up shortly, and those will be on the website as well. All right, beautiful, beautiful. So uh, talking about the program, and I have a lot of questions. We might have to come back and do it because we have a lot of questions and trying to do this within an hour. Uh, <laughs> talking about the healing of the soul in an hour is not yes. necessarily always, you know, the way. But, yes. um, you know, we talk, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the programming and mm-hmm. then we'll get into some of the other more personal questions. Mm-hmm. But dealing with the default programming, like when you're working with people, you're doing your workshops, uh, mm-hmm. the material you wrote in the book. How do you help, mm-hmm. you know, in this context, ladies, but people in general, heal and release the default program? Okay. Uh, towards the end of the book, I think it's either chapter nine or 10, I talk about the tools that I used. Okay. Um, I want to say this, and I don't know if you remember her, but Edwin Gaines, who uh, yeah. wrote the foreword, foreword for this book. Uh, she's the the one that wrote the foreword and the recommendation for the book. But I was very fortunate to have Edwin Gaines at Universal Truth Center many, many, many moons ago. Mm-hmm. And she taught about forgiveness writing. Mm-hmm. And the concept that she gave was that you would write, I forgive, let's say I forgive my father and insert his name. Um, such and such, 70 times 70. That's a very basic thing. Now, this requires a certain level of devotion. First of all, I believed her, right? Because belief is always foundational. And when she said, you know, when you write, you imprint on the subconscious mind and you bring yourself to the point where you're actually working with what's in the subconscious and releasing. So that was one of the most basic things that I could do in the beginning to begin to first I, what I did was I wrote a list 
of all the people that I needed to forgive. So my dad, my mom, my, all my, my family. I mean, I had a list, a, a serious list. And I have to tell you that that probably went on for years because one of the things that would happen is that I'd be like, you know, on my merry little new thought way, right? I'm good now and I've done it and I write four, 70 times 70 and it's over. And next thing I know, poof, something would pop up. And I was like, I guess I didn't really forgive them. Mm -hmm. And I had to go back and I had to do it multiple times for different people as I realized that there was still something of that experience. And I have stories in the book where I said, oh, I thought I had forgiven this person and then the person did it again or the person showed up again and I realized. So we're talking about something very concrete and easy. If you're looking to begin the journey of healing, try forgiveness writing. They have different methods that they use. I mean, I know these days nobody wants to write, right? Because everything's on the computer. But get yourself a pad and start writing. And there was a time at which Edwin Gaines even spoke about writing in pencil. There are people who talk about writing in pencil because it's, you know, of the material and so on. But it's something you can get up in the morning and write set 10 times. I forgive my dad. I forgive my dad. I forgive my dad. And, you know, include his name, by the way. I forgive my dad such and such. I such and such. Forgive my dad such and such for whatever. Now, those are all new thought principles. It's right now, okay? You can do something very, very concrete. Um, prayer is a part of forgiveness. You ask God to help you to forgive because sometimes people are not really willing, right? Which I call mm -hmm. willingness the grease, right? Oh, I don't know how I'm going to forgive him because whatever he did or whatever she did is so horrible, right? which many times it is, ask God to help you. If you're willing, if you know that forgiveness is the thing that's going to release you, right? If you know it's not for them, it's for you, but you don't know how, you gotta get into prayer and you gotta ask, ask God how to help you, how to soften you, because sometimes you've had so many blows that you get hard and you're like closed in and you don't let anything in. The, anything in you have to ha ask God to help you, and that's prayer. The other thing is meditation. You have to have quiet moments because, let me say this: everything in life is about energy. God is not a person in the sky dressed in a robe, mm. writing on scrolls. God is an energy, and you are an energy. And when you are carrying negative loads, your energy is not in alignment with the energy of God. You're in a different frequency. And when you are able to forgive and you're ab able to clean up your stuff, you're getting into that frequency. So one of the things that I learned to do is called tapping. Tapping. I am not representing myself as an expert in tapping, but mm -hmm. tapping is a way of releasing negative energies from your body. And it's literally that tapping. There are different places, different ways, and it's a way to release. As you release those negative energies, those energies which are unlike divine energy, right? You come more and more in alignment with divine energy and this is why meditation is so important because meditation is is the moment in which you sit with that energy and have that contact with the divine and you then sort of recognize that energy within yourself because mm -hmm. now that's that's what you are so prayer meditation uh tapping Forgiveness writing. I think the least you can do for yourself is to sit down with a pad. And like I said, Edwin Gaines always said 70 times 70, which is 490. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how many times I have done that. Yeah. Yeah. Without a question. So those are concrete tools. And if you can't do all of them, you can start. 
you can write 10 and be consistent. And I consider each one of those like taking a finger off the scale of the weight of your life. I forgive and it's energy being released from your body. I forgive, I forgive. And if you can't do that, figure out how to get to willingness. Because the minute you get to willingness, and if you're in line with spiritual principle, the universe will provide direction and guidance and help. Because for me, Edwin Gaines was a help. Nobody had ever said to me, right, right that I yeah. forgive. Yeah, yeah. That's a good tool. I, I love it because of the subconscious conditioning. And it reminds me of um, many years ago. Um, uh, it, was, uh, it was a book, uh, The Eye of the Storm by Gary Simmons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a unity minister. But I think he's mm-hmm. retired now. Mm-hmm. But in the, I was teaching the book when it first came out in the Johnny Coleman Institute. And mm-hmm. I remember Olivia having a student, uh, asking my students in the class, maybe about 25 people, mm-hmm. to, to, <laughs> to, it was a couple of things. One was to get a, um, a greeting card. Mm-hmm. The, I said the most best and the most expensive one you can find at the store mm-hmm. and to send it anonymously to a person you've had issues with before. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, because I wanted them to have the experience mm-hmm. of physically going to the store. Yes. Physically standing in that aisle. Yes. Physically going through card after card till they can find the best card they can find right. and then get no credit for it. Right, right. Yes. I said, even if the person lives with you, Mm -hmm. put it in an envelope, have somebody else write the the, the address on it. Mm -hmm. You know, so so all they do is they open up a card and they see someone saying the most beautiful things about them. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I can remember, uh, you know, it was a woman in the class that said to me, everybody came back and they gave these wonderful testimonies. Mm-hmm. And she said, I couldn't do it. She's like, mm-hmm. you don't know what my brother did. You don't know what my mm-hmm. brother did, how hard it was to grow up with him. And, mm-hmm. and I said, look, I wasn't trying to force you to do anything. Right. I said, but, but what I said to her, and I'm sure you've seen this with the ladies you work with. I said, but do you see what's going on in your body right now? Yes. Like you're shaking. Mm-hmm. Like, look at, you know, like we can see the pain. Right. Mm-hmm. That right now you're in mm-hmm. because I just asked you to go to a to a Walgreens right. buy a greeting card right. and send it to him because that takes mm-hmm. money, it takes mm-hmm. energy, it takes effort, and it pulls up stuff. Now, right. the idea behind it was you pull it up, you get free, and if you didn't, now you know where your resistance is. Right. And exactly. I think the Edwin Gaines exercise that you, you did helped right. you. Pull up, okay, every time you got to sit down and get that pad and pen and write it, now the resistance is coming up. And as you Absolutely. said earlier, now once it gets exposed to the light, yes, it can be healed. There's healing, right. Yeah, exactly. so I, I, I love that exercise. I think that's exceptionally practical because, yes. you know, it, it, people don't need platitude. No. They need techniques that can help them get their breakthroughs. Exactly. I think that's a right. I think that's a powerful, powerful tool. Yes. And it worked. I and, and let me tell you, for those people who are listening out there, when I started, just so you you don't think this is, you know, mamby pamby stuff, when I started writing that, tears, tears mm-hmm. are running down my face. I mean, we're talking about years ago, but that's that's how it started. It's for real people. We're talking for real stuff. Yes, yes. I want to jump to a question. Uh, I'm going to skip a couple of questions I have because I want to get this one specifically. Uh, you write about GEFs, G-E-F-S, in your yes. book. What is mm-hmm. GEFs and why is it so vital to your story? And- okay. Well, I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. I, I, I don't know. Some people, I say this almost every presentation I have. I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness, so I was very much in church. I was really familiar with the Bible. And in addition to being in the Jehovah's Witness church, I was in a Catholic school, right? And then my grandmother, my maternal grandmother was sort of like a Baptist kind of person. So I was, you know, I was what I call churchified. 
You know, I mean, I was was in there. I was a church girl. And first of all, I say to people all the time, I am not a Jehovah's Witness now. And, you know, don't believe, obviously, the spiritual theology that they believe in. But I can say for a fact that being in the church kept me off the street. Okay. So everything has value and you can find value in it. And I learned a lot because I was very familiar with the Bible. And, and also just as a result of my personality, I was, you know, I loved me some Jehovah. You know, I really felt like I, like I, like I loved God and I was completely into it. And I, early on, by the time I was 18, I was looking for the truth. Cause I was like, they told me one thing that I couldn't believe. And that like threw me off forever, because if you know, in the Jehovah's Witness theology, um, if you're not a Jehovah's Witness, you're not going to be saved, so to speak. Only the ones that are Jehovah's Witnesses are saved. And also they have the concept of the 144,000, the ruling class and all those kinds of things. And when they told me that my grandmother, my mother's mother, who was not a Jehovah's Witness and had refused to be involved with the Jehovah's Witness, but was one of the most wonderful people that I knew when they, and I'm a little girl and they're saying like, oh, well, she, no. I was like, oh no, there's something wrong with this. So I immediately then began to look for what's the truth and, you know, all those kinds of things. And then as I became much older and came into understanding what God is, not a person, but an energy, an energy, universal energy everywhere present, which, you know, we had known that omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent, everywhere present. And now, so God is not limited because for some people, when you say God, that image, and it's taken me many years to get rid of that image of what God was. And now, so it's beyond just God as the concept. It's an energy. So that's E for Jeff, God, energy, force, spirit. That is Jeff's. And, and it's a word that's intended to kind of encompass everything that God is because we as humans always try to limit God to sort of what we can understand. But mm -hmm. what we're talking about is so big and so huge. There's not one single word that could mm -hmm. really define what God is. And yeah. so Jeff's is, is the word that I use to really attempt to capture everything that God is about okay. in my view. Well, obviously I butchered it and called it gifts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Same difference, Jeffs, yeah. Gifts, G-E-F-S, yeah, all yeah. of it is I the biggest. Like, right, yeah, I was like, wait a minute, I was like, uh, is it like GIFs, like the like the videos on, on Instagram? No, no, I was trying to... no, no <laughs> not like, that one. Jeffs, 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 Jeffs. You want to call it energy, you want to call it force, you want to call it spirit, Um, just so big. Is, yes. the, is the whole thing about what God is. Yes. And I, I love that because I think that one of the things that trip people up, and I never thought about this before, uh, one of my spiritual mothers who you knew well, um, the Reverend Evelyn Boyd, who, you know, she passed mm -hmm. away uh, last year. Mm -hmm. she, used to, she used to tell us in class, <laughs> first time I'd ever heard it was she had students because she was one of the primary teachers in UFBL that... Mm -hmm. Some of the students had issues calling God Father. And I never thought mm -hmm. about that before. I was like, mm -hmm. really? Mm -hmm. And she, she used to tell me, yes, some people cannot pray and use the term Father because mm -hmm. they have too many daddy issues. Right. You know, and I, and I was like, wow, I would have mm -hmm. never thought of that before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You just mm -hmm. don't know what could be a psychological hiccup for someone. Absolutely. So, but, but when you expand that concept of God, you know, now it's like, okay, God is not limited to these terms and what other people, you know, have, have told me, but mm -hmm. I can experience God as something beyond. Yes. The, so it's that the, the, traditional yes. image. Yes. And I think that that's, that's wonderful. I call mm -hmm. the old concept of God, the SmackDown God. 
That's that's oh, my turn. <laughs> because, yes, that's, yes. because that's what you know. For a lot of people, they're scared of yes. the, you know the SmackDown guy. He's, he's like you know, my, um, just passed away recently. Uh, my friend uh, Bishop Carlton Pearson used to always say yes. that a lot of yeah. people don't uh, don't don't uh, worship God because they love God. They're just hell scared. That's right. Yes, you know, and, and that's because, been a tool. Yeah, it's a tool of punishment and threat. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, yes. you can be on the outs with God. So am right. I really worshiping? Am I really a good Christian or a good whatever? Because mm-hmm. this is who I am authentically. Right. Or am I just functioning from fear and, exactly. and promoting it as being pious? Exactly. It's really and, it's just and, and that ended up being something that's also buried because, as you talk about in your book, if you bury mm-hmm. something like that, it has yes. to show up. And warped way. That's right. It's got to show up. Yeah. So it's when the zombies start coming out the ground in your life, like yes. the Michael Jackson thriller video. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. You got the exact concept. There's yeah. no way around it. There's no way around it. It's going to pop off one way or the other. Yeah. And I think that that's the challenge. So, so I love that. Uh, reform, mm-hmm. your, reform your God thought. That's, that's the exactly. thing. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I'm trying to look at my time here. Uh, I've got about eight yes. minutes. Uh, eight seven, minutes? What? Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I know. Believe it or not, time just flies, you know. Yes, it's, when you're having fun. It's, you know, it's like the old culture club from, uh, was it, is it culture club? Yeah, when they used to sing, time won't give me time. I know, exactly. Yeah, boy, boy George, I had to go way back. Yes, yes. You know, so tell I, me what else I, you I, want to know. I watched too much TV growing up. Way too much. <laughs> My pop culture references are off the charts. <laughs> I can reference almost any movie or TV show at the drop of a time. I see that. I see your post. I, I see you're a fan of Bruce Lee, too. I love Bruce Lee. Yes. With, with the unending love. <laughs> yes. And listen, by the way, I want to I wanna throw this out there. I see you and your daughter. Yeah. Okay, I see you, and what an amazing dad you've been. I mean, I'm obviously not in Chicago. I haven't been in Chicago in many, many years, but I did love it when I went there. I've been there probably like I've, at least 10 times, but I haven't been there in a while. But to see you and your daughter and your journey with her and how much you love her and how you've done, like, I mean, I don't know what your history with your dad was, but... I always tell people there are two ways you can go with with your life story. You can have a terrible life experience with your parents and you can do one of two things. Either you'll be just as terrible as they are or you decide I'm going to be better than they were. So I don't know what yours was, but I'm telling you, you and your daughter. Well, I I appreciate that. I um, it's important to me. I, I, you know, you know, I don't get into a lot of it on my podcast just because I have siblings. And, right. you know, I, my story is also their story. So I'm, I'm mindful of that. But, you yes. know, he, he was inconsistent. And I'll just say it that way. Mm-hmm. And his inconsistency and some of his own uh, issues mm-hmm. obviously bled into, over into his children's lives. Yes. And when I became a dad and a girl dad, one yes. of the things that I made up my mind to be was I was going to be the best father I knew how to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was kind of funny. I actually told someone this just the other day, Olivia. They were talking about how did I talk to my daughter when she was growing mm-hmm. up? And mm-hmm. I said to her, I said, I told her very early. I said, one, I'm not going to whoop you because, you know, in our culture, whoopings is a thing. Yes. And, uh, and I said, I'm not going to whoop you because I don't want any man to hit you and then tell you they love you. I said, I'm, right. I'll be a disciplinarian. Right. I'm not going to hit you. That was, a, right. I, I mean, she was like three, four years old. I'm telling her this mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. And I t- also told her that if I tell you I'm going to do something, if I say yes, I will mm-hmm. always do it. You never have mm-hmm. to question if I give you a yes, but you mm-hmm. have to earn the yes. Right. Because I don't, because, I don't want, because being the first man in her life, I right. didn't want her to get used to somebody telling her one thing yes. and doing something else. And I, That's had, right. I mean, I had to live up to those principles. Amen. Uh, as much as I possibly can. So for me, mm-hmm. at least, mm-hmm. um, you know, I told my friends and family very early on when she was born, if I don't get anything else right, I'm going to get this father thing right. 
Amen. And you did because she graduated right. from college. I saw the picture yeah, of high school yeah. graduation. Then I saw she went to college yeah. and now she's finished and all yeah, kinds of things. Yeah, I've been, she, I've been watching, my, you know, she's I've my pride watching. and joy. She's my pride yes, and joy. absolutely. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I wanted to take a minute. I know you probably have a question, but I don't want to leave without talking <laughs> to the dads. Right. Yeah. Go because, right ahead. Let's use that. Let's use, let's use yes. that as the wrap up. Yeah. Again, uh, this is not to put dads down or anything negative. Uh, like I said, I, till this day, my father passed away several years ago. And till this day, I don't hide or lie about who he was. My father was not a good father by any stretch of the imagination. But despite that, I loved him because that was my father, you know? And there's a story in the book about the last time, a very, very sad story about the last time that I saw him. But even in that moment, I still was, you know, like daddy, you know, I hadn't seen him in years. And the first thing that came to mind was daddy. And I want the dads out there because, you know, like you said, it's not just people of African descent. They're Native Americans that have a very difficult story and other groups that have very difficult stories and and sort of generational issues passed down. So. For the dads that are out there that haven't been good dads, we know that there's a reason, right? That you have behaved in this way. We know that there are patterns that have been passed down generationally. But what I'm saying to you, so if you can hear me and you can hear what I said, I suffered. I was pained by my father's behavior. I was pained by my father's absence and it absence and it caused me more pain in my relationships down the line and if you can hear me speaking as a daughter and if you can read this book and see what that pain looks like you have in this moment an opportunity to say you know what i'm not sure what my generational issues might have been i'm not sure why i behaved the way that i did i'm not sure why i've been absent for my for the children that i brought into this world but in this moment I'm willing to take responsibility for healing my issues so that my children can heal. There is a young man. He's from California. His uh, his moniker is uh, relearning manhood. And uh, I've done several interviews with him on um, there on YouTube, there on Instagram, Facebook. And what he did the first time that I met him, he had a, a video and he had his daughter, very cute, walking in front of him. And what he said in the video was. I had to relearn how to be a man so that I wouldn't break my daughter. And as a result of seeing that, because he's saying, and, and he has a very interesting story. Mother was on drugs. Grandparents raised him. Uh, grandfather died. Grandmother died. He's 16. He's living in the house with everybody gone. And so now he has to figure out this life thing. And of course, he goes through all kinds of, let's call it um, convulsions in life because of that, that story. But now he has a daughter and he says, I have to relearn how to be a man so I don't break my daughter. And he has set out, just like you said, to make sure that he does what is necessary to, to heal his generational issues to heal whatever issues he has so that he doesn't pass it along. And that's all I can ask of a father that for whatever reason you have been absent, you've been reproducing without thinking about what you're doing. Don't just spread your seed out there and leave those kids by themselves. You can do better. You can do better. You can take claim to this moment. Go write your forgive. Do, go do some forgiveness writing. Go do some. I also say to people, you know, if you need therapy, go talk to somebody, mm -hmm. you know, spiritual counseling. If you need to go to therapy, I've been to therapy many times and I've been to spiritual counseling many times. I was for sure going to do everything I needed to do so that I didn't have to continue to suffer. And more importantly, you know who else I didn't want to suffer? Any child that I might have, because if I'm crazy, you know what's going to happen? They're going to be crazy. You're going to pass it down. And that daddy, if you're out there, if you're listening, you have a chance. You can fix this. Your daughter might be hurt if you haven't been there, but you can try. Mm -hmm. You can get involved. You can come back. You can work on yourself so that you heal your issues and you can do better. Beautiful, beautiful. So we're going to have to wrap up, Olivia. Uh, this was a powerful oh! conversation. Very powerful. <laughs> and, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm open to us, you know, you know, 
I got to finish the series that I'm currently in <laughs> on this yes. dynamic laws of healing. But down the line, we might be able to go maybe do a deeper dive just yes. on some of the technique stuff. You know, now that we have the story, right? You know, we can do some technique stuff. So, um, so you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm appreciative. I hope that people can start their new year saying, "I decide to be free." So, go to Amazon.com or Olivia S Benson. Dot com and yes, get the book yes. for the love of my father. He, yes. Even you know, again, as a as a guy, what you're yes. saying is is so true because I didn't want to break my daughter. And right, really was important to me because I had yes. inconsistencies from my father, and he had inconsistencies right. from his. Yes, is I wanted to make sure that no matter what happened, the book right. stops here. Exactly. And exactly. I think that it gives men an opportunity and gives women an opportunity to heal, gives men an opportunity to heal and have a perspective of the impact of our actions. So I think that exactly. is so important. So exactly. I want to thank you so much for coming on and the work that you're doing. And you. uh, my, my listeners, go to her website, uh, LiviaSBenson.com. Follow her on Instagram. Find out what she's doing. Go to YouTube, yes. watch the interviews. All you got to do is put yes. her name in into the search engine. Yes. Get connected so you can yes. get your healing because there's no reason to walk around frustrated and emotionally broken when yes. there's people out here who can help you yes. do the work to the get work. to your breakthrough. Because Amen. as a smart lady, we both knew used to say, it works if you work. Absolutely. That's Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Olivia. Thank thank you, you. Galen. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you, listeners. I'll be with you next week with Truth Transform. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.